This episode of the Golf Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Cut. Cut is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's U.S.-based and available in 40 states. Head to Cut.com, that's K-U-T-T.com, use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit HOFBets.com, use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. And don't forget to enter a Super Bowl 58 props contest. There is still time to get in for the big game. Pick 58 Super Bowl props for a chance to win $1,000. Enter today for free at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash SB58 or in the SGPN app. All right, DJs. Good morning. Once again, happy Super Bowl Sunday. It is me, Steve Shermer, riding solo. Currently, Boston Capper, I think, is either running a mile and drinking beer or cheering somebody on and drinking beer. I think he was talking about in one of the fantasy leagues that the loser had to run a beer mile. I don't know if it was him or somebody else, but he's doing that. So it is just me this morning breaking down uh, one of my, actually, probably my favorite non-major venue on the PJ Tour every single year, Riviera Country Club for the 2024 Genesis Invitational. Uh, right now, it's still a jam-packed weekend for golf. Liv wrapped up last week. Uh, I think I did pretty well the handicap on it, and unfortunately, Bryson completely Brysoned yesterday. That was too bad. Uh, it's also too bad that I really wanted to bet DJ, but I did not feel like getting screamed at at the betting show about how Dustin Johnson was going to be doing mountains of coke, allegedly, from my co-host, uh, because I know that would have been his take, but he fit a lot of the driving distance and guys who hit fades and hit it over bunkers. Uh, I'll talk about that a little bit as far as my betting results so far and how I maybe I just got to start tuning stuff out and just go with my gut on th- some things. But hey. Adrian Moronk, top 10. Bryson, top 10, barely, by the way. John Rahm not getting a top five really hurt. Him hitting a cold shank on a par five and missing a six-footer, not getting up and down and finishing one shot out of the top five. That hurts, but hey, came out ahead on live. Uh, feel pretty good about where I'm at with that tour as far as actually trying uh, to have a serious conversation about betting with that tour. But PJ Tour is not going well. I'm just going to be perfectly honest. It's not going well for me this year. Maybe I'm still kind of recovering from the two almost outrights I had back at the Amex and the Sony, uh, but positionals have not been good this year. I don't know exactly what the issue is. Maybe I'm relying too much on the productions from Data Golf as far as what their menu of the positionals are, and maybe a little too sensitive about, hey, they don't think this is a good price, even though I like the guy. Maybe I'll go with a guy like Ben On, who has a pretty good price for a positional. Uh, maybe that's my problem, the fact I'm relying too much on Ben On uh, this week. But um, maybe I got a little bit too much rabbit ears overall as far as maybe listening to what people are picking and going the other way and being too cute. Sometimes I do that. Um, it's not great. I admit this. I will own up when my picks aren't great right now. And uh, you know, hopefully I'll be better this next week. I usually have a pretty good track record at Riviera. So hopefully things will turn around for that. But uh, right now the golf tournament, I think is going to kick off in 15 minutes. This is kind of a disaster for them. Uh, I don't, it's going to be really close to get it in on time for the Super Bowl. Hopefully they decide to just keep everybody in the same pairings uh, and just send them right back out. Otherwise it's either going to be a Monday finish or it's going to finish up uh, maybe after the 49ers first uh, scoring drive in the first quarter. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, for right now, it's all about Riviera, Genesis Invitational. Uh, once again, if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, thank you. Thank you for the download. If you're not, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel. Uh, these previews are great supplements to the podcast because it's more visual, but you know, make sure you still give us a download, a rate and review on Spotify and Apple too. It really helps us out. Uh, but if you haven't seen this preview before, uh, this is more of a visual uh, presentation here. Uh, I will use Google Earth to break down Riviera, some of my favorite holes, some things to maybe look at as far as you know how the golf course is laid out, some type of types of shots these guys have to uh, hit. And then we're going to go through data golf, all their free tools with that. Uh, you know, course stats, history, scoring, everything, approach shot, proximity buckets, what matters there, what doesn't matter there. You know, hopefully this is a good uh, part of your routine for betting. But as far as the field goes, you know, this is a signature event, the second signature event of the PGA Tour season, and it's got a unique format. So the last one at Pebble Beach, it was 80 guys, but there was no cut. This one, though, is 80 guys, and then they're going to cut down to the top 50. I personally think 
whatever new higher form of the PGA Tour is going to come into existence once they figure out the stuff with with Liv and the Saudis. I think this is how it's got to be. This is a very similar cut uh, format to the Masters. You know, that is also top 15 ties. They have usually about 80-ish guys as well. Now, with that one, though, there's a lot of real crap at the back end of that field, so it's relatively easy to make the weekend at the Masters if you're a pretty good player. But this one, though, top 80 players on the PGA Tour, you know, you definitely can't have an off day the first couple of days here, especially when we're on top of the weather. It's, it should be pretty gettable, this place. So, you know, you might see some guys, if they got to a slow start, if you're a top player, you're not going to make the weekend. There's a lot of really good players you're competing against here. I, I personally really like that they're going to do this. I think that is perfect. I don't feel like we really need to have 130 plus guys anymore on the PGA Tour in fields in these really big events. Just give me the top 80. That's all they focus on in the broadcast anyway. So why don't we just do that? But despite all the big names, the biggest fish in this field, and this is going to suck up all the oxygen in uh, for this tournament, is Tiger Woods. He's back. He uh, played the Hero World Challenge back in December. That was his unofficial return to the PGA Tour after having, I think, ankle surgery or something, maybe leg surgery after the Masters. We all remember back in the Masters, it was cold, windy. He gutted to get to the weekend, and then he was limping around, and he decided to withdraw, which mercifully did, and then we didn't see him again for the rest of the season. But came back in the Hero World Challenge. Some Positives and negatives. Uh, positives was he was one of the leaders in strokes gain off the tee that week. Now it's an 18 person, there's 18 or 20 person field. You know, how reliable really are those statistics when you're gauging the average versus what you do? There's not a huge sample size there, but everything else looked really rusty. Irons didn't look very good. Wasn't really good around the green. Wasn't good putter. The around the green and putting stuff, that's been kind of a bugaboo for him. Uh, that's not a surprise, but honestly, you know, he finished 17th. There was a lot of people who were very excited about his return. I wasn't really all that excited. I didn't think that swing looked very good. It's all upper body. He can't use the lower body at all. I don't know. He, it's a lot of duct tape on him right now, but he's back. Unfortunately, he's never really done well in this tournament, you know, I mean, which is surprising. Like, obviously, he has a lot of good finishes because he's Tiger effing Woods, but hasn't really been all that great here. So I don't really know a particular reason why. A lot of his skill sets that usually are good here, match what he is best at. I mean, he's the best at everything, but maybe time for your expectations a little bit. Just enjoy these out there, walk around. But otherwise, all your big names are here. Rory, Scotty, Jordan Spieth is in the mix, uh, Justin Thomas, um, everybody who's still left on the PGA Tour who hasn't taken a bunch of money uh, will be a Riviera. It should be an excellent tournament. I love the fact that they're going to cut down to top 50 in ties. That's going to add some nice Friday intrigue um, to this tournament. It's much better than what they did at Pebble Beach. I'm very much looking forward to it. So with that said, why don't we take our first break and then we will hit Google Earth and we'll go over some of my favorite holes, some things to maybe look at for Riviera this week. All right. We're brought to you by DraftKings. So if you're looking to, for a super offer for Super Bowl 58, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into $200 instantly in bonus bets. So if you're in a state where DraftKings is available right now, you haven't signed up, you want to put some action down the Super Bowl, go to DraftKings right now. You'll get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Right now, if you want to bet on the, the Super Bowl, uh, the big game, San Francisco is a two-point favorite. A lot of action on the Chiefs right now, but... Uh, the line hasn't moved. So download the sports game, uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SGP. New customers can get five bucks to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Super Bowl 58 with code SGP. The crown is yours. If you got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Uh, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Courses. And we're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Uh, so Underdog Fantasy is a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long. Yeah, NFL, NBA, NHL, college basketball, 
golf, college football. If you want to get, if you're able to get your underdog cards in right now for golf, I think the weather is going to be pristine today. Go lower on the scores, higher on the birdies. Keep that. So simply pick your higher or lower on your favorite player's fantasy stats and cash in. You win 100x on some really spicy plays. Those are indicated by the little chili peppers next to uh, the picks there. So watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over on Underdog's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And when you sign up using the promo code GOLFSGPN, that's our very own promo code there, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code GOLFSGPN. Uh, go play there today. Okay. Let's pull up Riviera Country Club in all its glory. So this is Riviera Country Club from the high level. Uh, this is a will. This is a George Thomas and William Bell design. It opened in 1927, and just a couple things to maybe note from it. So let's zoom out a little bit. Obviously, this is in Los Angeles, California, right over here. This is where Los Angeles Country Club is, allegedly the worst U.S. Open venue uh, in history because, God forbid, if guys make really good shots or if you make a really bad shot, you get punished. But one thing I also want to point out, too, you might not know it from the broadcast, but Riviera, really close to the ocean. Much closer, I think, I maybe realized before I started doing this, but... Very in close proximity to the ocean there. I mean, obviously, you have a lot of really good homes that really mask where it is. But I remember th this is why I think the wind can really get up there. A couple years ago, I want to say 2021, the year Max Homa won. You had those derecho winds where uh, they came off the here and they got 70 mile power winds. It stopped play. I remember Keegan Bradley actually putting off the green on 10. And everyone said, well, Keegan's a bad putter, which he was back then, but it was really because of the wind and the greens just got completely out of control. But that's something to monitor. You know, this is a golf course that uh, if we get a lot of wind here, it can make the, the greens play very unplayable. But uh, George Thomas, William Bell Design, opened in 1927. It's been relatively unaltered over the years. Uh, there's been a, uh, some bunker renovations done by Corin Crenshaw, I think on number 10 over here. There are some tweaks to greens that Tom Fazio has done over the years as well. We'll talk about one of those holes that he did um, in a little bit. But, you know, so this is set in the basin of a canyon. Uh, and it's not a very interesting piece of land. It's very small, compact. It's not very wide, as you can see right here. Not a lot of land movement at all, other than just, you know, the bowl setting that it's in. But and but George Thomas and William Bell, they didn't move a lot of land in order to create this. They just basically looked at this golf course and said, okay, let's create an accessible routing. Let's use what land features we have to create movement specifically in the greens. And they did a really good job. This is the premier venue on the PJ Tour of the non-major venues um, for a lot of reasons why. So let's start with the first hole here. Let's zoom in. So one of the the most iconic starting holes on the PGA Tour, uh, in just all in golf as well. This is the first tee, 503 yard par five, just dead straight away. You got out of bounds over here, but with what the club choices these guys are using, they're not really hitting it. But what makes it great is you're teeing off into the canyon. You're right next to the clubhouse here, and you're just hitting it downhill. It's a very narrow fairway, only 30 yards wide. The fairway also runs out here. This is a barranca right here. Uh, it basically acts as kind of a deterrent towards guys hitting pulling drivers so because of how far the ball goes nowadays you're going to see guys in a lot of three woods maybe the shorter hitters hit driver if it's playing soft though like it is going to play this year maybe that will hit a lot of guys to hit driver because the ball's not going to roll as far but you know even with three woods because you get the prevailing uh wind off the ocean this plays mostly downwind uh in you know optimal conditions you're still going to see guys probably run through the fairway here but it's still not all that penal because you got a long ways to the green. It's a big green. It's a deep green. Um, the rough is only about two inches. The Kukui rough, we'll talk about that in a little bit. It can be tricky to hit out of. But you know, this is a very short par five. Uh, you know, If you're in this bunker right here, it makes getting up and down a little dicey. But you know, getting up and down from off the green here to most pin locations is not that difficult. This is a birdie hole. This is a great handshake hole. George Thomas is known for these handshake holes. Uh, you saw with LACC with the very gettable par five opening hole there. This is supposed to be what he sees golf as a nice, easy introduction to your round. And then 
after you get your little birdie, you're feeling confident about yourself, he's going to kick you right back in the nuts. So going back the other way, the second hole here, this is the long par four second, uh, 471 yards, plays slightly uphill, and it plays slightly into the breeze if there is a wind. So this can play close to 500 yards. Again, very narrow fairway here. Um, you got out of bounds of the driving range over here, but what makes this hole so difficult is it's into the wind and this green is really tough. Well protected by bunkers. This bunker right here is about 40 yards short of it. And this is a severe two tier green as well. You could use technically I'll zoom in a little bit. You could use this little hill here as a little sideboard to get the funnel ball back towards the green, but you're going to see a lot of guys end up in this lower tier right here. And trying to two-putt free here up the slope to a back pin location is really dicey. Uh, if you're in this bunker right over here and the pins to the left, you're basically dead. Um, and this is essentially, again, another George Thomas principle. Easy opening hole, very difficult second hole. So you guys basically net out to par. So opening hole is basically a par four and a half. This is essentially a par four and a half too. Very uh, hallmark George Thomas design. Let's zoom over to the fourth green. I mean, this is what I believe Ben Hogan called the finest par three in all of golf. Now, I probably would not say the players today agree with that. Maybe it's because of some green uh, alterations that have done through the years. But this is an extremely difficult par three. This is a Redan-style green. Slopes right to left, back, uh, front to back. It's well protected by this bunker over here. This is about a 200-ish like, you know, yard carry over this bunker here. You got a crosswind coming down from off the canyon. Everything slopes hard right to left. Um, you know, obviously the optimal play would be hit it to, you know, about here and let the ball kind of trickle back to the green. But with how soft things are going to be, that might not be ideal either. Sometimes you might see guys go for the green over on the left here. They end up in this barranca here. Um, this is an extremely difficult, borderline unfair if this thing is playing really firm par three. Uh, a lot of guys complain about it every single year in the PGA Tour. For me personally, um, just from an entertainment standpoint, I love when it's featured holes. Uh, these guys really uh, get driven crazy by this thing. You also got the fifth, uh, another shortish par four. It's only 434 yards, but again, the fairway runs out to about 308 here. There's a you know, it, and it's a, it's a split level fairway. This is uh, above uh, this lower fairway here. There's also a little mound right to the right here. So, you know, with how far the ball goes nowadays, you know, the importance of angles into greens with these caliber of players just really isn't as important anymore. But this is one of them where, you know, if you get caught up on this little upslope over here, you have a blind approach out to the green. This green also plays really firm. There's a um, a collection area down below here. If you go over the green, you're not getting up and down here. Uh, but these are, you know, this is a hole where uh, guys usually pick less than driver to keep up in this top shelf over here. It uh, can't hard from right to left as well. So it's a really difficult fairway to hold um, over here. It's a tough hole. Uh, it's, it's not going to be the most popular hole at Riviera, but uh, there definitely is enough quirkiness and uh, difficulty to it that can definitely drive guys nuts, especially if they hit it a little long over here. This is such a difficult up and down uh, over here. Now we have the six, one of the most famous part threes in all of golf, often duplicated. And the reason why it is so popular is because an iconic is the bunker in the middle of the green. It's a small bunker, but it's in the way. It plays downwind. So if the pin is up in front here, you carry a little too far, you run the risk of getting this bunker. You also run the risk of hitting it way over and you're on now the wrong side of the hole. If it's, if the pins out down here, there's been a lot of really interesting ways guys have tried to get up and down. I know Sam Burns when he was leading in 2021, he put it way long and uh, right here, almost here, the chain link fence. Him was set down here, got up and down one of the best up and downs I've ever seen. I think that's when I really started to get a lot of respect for Sam Burns uh, until he blew this tournament later on when I had 101 bet on him uh, on the back nine. Then I caused, lost a little respect for him, but one of the best holes on this golf course, one of the best par threes in golf, uh, very iconic, often duplicated. There's one just like this at TBC San Antonio that is not quite as good, but Greg Norman specifically cited this hole as a reason why he won. I think it's number 17 
there. It's got the bunker in the middle of the fairway. I think there's a couple other golf courses. Um, there's one that No Laying Up did a uh, world, Wild World of Golf one that had the bunker in the middle of the green too. But definitely one of the most iconic par threes in all of golf. The eighth hole here. This is one that Tom Fazio did work in. So over the years, uh, this originally was designed to be a split fairway here. Uh, just due to neglect, it was lost. I think, I can't remember exactly when he did it, but Tom, Tom Fazio restored the split fairway nature of it. And it was supposed to basically promote strategy. So back when driving distances weren't too uh, far, you know, going down the left was considered risky. You got a bare fairway bunker is about 280 here, 297 to this bunker over here. It's a little more narrower. You can hit in this little ravine down here. Hitting down the left was a little more risky versus down the right. This bunker is way down far. It's not in play. It's a little wider here. But I think how the green is constructed is not quite as, um, it's supposed to not be quite as a good of an angle to most pin locations. Problem is, though, and listen, I'm not a greens expert by any means, uh, but I trust the people who say this. Andy Johnson, the Friday, who actually my article this week is going to have, uh, uh, I'm going to put a link of uh, his narrative of every single hole and what's great about it. It's definitely someone to check out. He says that Fazio mangled the greens, so I will trust his judgment. He says, though, and this was written back in 2017, that there's no reason to go down the left. The thing is, though, the last couple of years, with how far guys are going, the change in strategy off the tee of this place, I see a ton of guys going left because they can take both these bunkers out of play. You know, they end up, worst case scenario, they end up in this left rough over here. They got a lot of room in front. Uh, either run the ball up or it's just a big uh, target to hit. Most guys, I see at least, unless the pin is somewhere else that makes you want to go down right, most guys are hitting it left here. So not a great job in Mr. Tom there. You got the 10th hole. This is, again, one of the most iconic short par fours on PG Tour. We're going to table this discussion about this hole because there's some things in the stats, especially off the tee with strategy, that I want to come back to uh, with this hole. So we'll table that. On the back nine, though, so one of the things that you hear about Riviera is the need to hit it both ways off the tee. And 12 and 13 is definitely a perfect example. Both of these are really demanding driving holes. So you have the 12th hole here. This is a long par four, 479 yards. You got to hit a uh, fade, essentially. You have to hit a fade left to right here. And then the very next hole, another long par four, got to hit it right to left. So you hear all these comps to Augusta National. They need to hit it both ways. This is an example right here of where, especially off the tee, got to hit a fade. Here you got to hit a, you know, a draw here. Um, you have this tree over by the 13th hole short of it. I sometimes you see guys, if they're in the barranca over here, they overcook it a little bit with their tee shot or they're, you know, caught in the trees here. Sometimes this tree can give them trouble. It's difficult up and down here. Not an easy hole at all. Let's zoom a little bit over to the 15th. I know I'm, I'm talking a lot about this hole. There are a lot of great holes. There's a lot of nuances about this golf course. A lot of things that you're going to see in this golf, you know, See with this place I want to talk about. So the 15th, though, this is the one that Victor Hoblin has made famous for taking a different strategy off the tee. So this is an incredibly difficult driving hole. If you play it straight, it is 315 to the middle of the dog. Like it narrows significantly. You have this fairway bunker over here. It's about 295-ish to get to. If you hit this fairway bunker, you're not getting to the green. The face is too steep. You don't have enough room to clear the lip for a longer approach shot into it. It's about 200 yards in. It's a layup off of here. So incredibly difficult driving hole. What Hovland was trying to make famous was going down the 17th. And in theory, it makes sense. It takes out all of this trouble over here with you know, hitting to the dog leg, uh, you know, the dog leg uh, right hole long par for uh, 15th here. And you got all this room over here. Fairly wide fairway. You take this bunker out of play. This is like 340 to this bunker. So this isn't a play too. Very safe. And the rough isn't all that penal. It's not that thick. You can get a good contact on it. The problem is though, and this is where I always disagree with Hovland, is your approach shot, this is a horrible angle if you're coming in from this way. So even if you're in the middle of the fairway here, you're obstructed by trees. 
these two trees over here, you obstruct, you have to carry this ferry bunker and it's still like 185 yards to carry. And it's all carry, by the way. So if you somehow screw up this tee shot, you hit in the rough here, that's not going to work out very well for you. That's a difficult green to hit there. It's still all carry here. If you just don't clip it quite as well, you're going to end up showing this bunker and this pin is in front. You're not getting him down. I think Hoblin ended up abandoning that strategy last year. I think he tried the first two rounds. I think he made par and bogey and he decided to just play it straight. I never really liked that strategy. Maybe he decides to bring it back here, but that's people, what people are going to talk about this whole, that's what guys have tried to do. I still think the best strategy is to just take your medicine, try to avoid this fairway bunker and play the whole straight as intended. Uh, and then let's go to the 18th hole. One of the most iconic closing holes in all of golf is a slight dog leg right par four. It, this tee box is set well below the fairway. So it's a blind uh, tee shot. You don't really know where the ball is going. Obviously, you want to hit a nice peeler and have the ball roll pretty far. Unfortunately, if you hit overcook a little bit, you're going to have tree trouble obstructing your view to the green. The green is set a little bit back here behind all these trees. So you don't want to miss it right here. You also want really want to miss it a lot because you're going to lose a lot of driving distance and it's going to get help uh, caught up on a side hill here. And then the green. Amphitheater setting. It's just, it's one of the most iconic visuals in golf for a closing stretch. A lot of drama has happened here on the 18th hole. It's just a good closing hole. So that's Riviera Country Club. I know I went a little long with the tour of it. There's just a lot of great features about this golf course. A lot of great holes. You don't see that a lot on the PGA Tour. A lot of these golf courses they go to are just boring and bland. We're going to talk about one next week with Mexico, where I'm going to be completely honest. I'm struggling to come up with how I'm going to make the Google Earth portion of that interesting because you'll see. It's just not good. But this has so much character. The greens are just superb here, just with all their little... Uh, subtle feet, not subtle features, all their, all the ways they can just befuddle guys. We'll talk about that a little bit about how difficult these greens are, which is the real, one of the only true defenses of this place left here. Um, it's just a great golf course and sorry, I went a little long with it, but there's just so much to it that I just want to talk about, which is going to lead to a lot of discussions about how you actually want to bet on this tournament, which we'll get to, uh, uh right after this next commercial break. Uh, so let's talk about the Super Bowl 58 props contest. Still time to get in. You got uh, about maybe eight hours left to do it. And it is a $1,000 winner take all contest. It's free to enter. Pick 58 props for Super Bowl 58. And you can enter today at sportsgamingpodcast.com slash SB58. Or click the link in the SUPN app, which you can download in the Apple Play Store. And we're also brought to you by Cut. Cut is the peer-to-peer -peer social betting platform that's US-based and available in 40 states. Peer-to-peer -peer social betting is a new and better way to bet. Bet directly against your friends or other users on sports, politics, pop culture, and other events with verifiable outcomes. Tons of fun social features to give the feel of a social betting network. Cut offers lower VIG and fully customizable odds so you can create your own bet. Cut handles the payment side of things so you never have to chase down anyone for money. It has social features like group chats, betting leaderboards, head-to-head -head history, user profiles, fan groups, and more. And every time you use Cut, you get cash back. Uh, they got great rewards over there. Every time you make a bet against one of your friends, they will give you cash bet back uh, with your bet there. So our partners are also giving away $5,000 to any user who refers the most new depositors by the end of the Super Bowl weekend. So, hey, you got a lot of friends at your Super Bowl party? Tell them to go to Cut right now. Maybe they'll give you $5,000 uh, for your trouble there. All you have to do is invite your friends and sign up for Cut via the invite friend button on your dashboard and have them deposit before Monday. The user with the most depositor referrals will get $5,000 in site credits automatically added to their account next week. So Cut is the peer-to-peer -peer social betting platform that's US-based and available in 40 states. Head to Cut.com. That's K-U-T-T.com. Use promo code SGPN for a 10% deposit bonus. And we're also by Game Time. Listen, maybe you're watching the Waste Manager Phoenix Open. And you're like me, uh, you're not really too thrilled with how NBC is deciding to just show only what happens on hole 16. Maybe you don't like the fact that Justin Lauer and Mark Hubbard and Zach Johnson are having all their shots shown instead of what's going on with the leaders or what Dustin Thomas is doing and all that stuff. And maybe instead you're in the Scottsdale area. Well, unfortunately, they shut out the, uh, uh, they had to stop the crowd coming in. But let's say that doesn't happen today. You can go to game time right now and try and find your tickets. Uh, to get into the Waste Management Phoenix Open uh, today. 
So Game Time is the last minute place to get your tickets. So forget planning in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Uh, and you got the Game Time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section for a row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the balance. It's a fast-growing ticket app for, in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds in two taps and you're all set. So snag tickets without the stress of game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code CFBX for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem your code CFBX for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Whew. Okay. I need a drink after that. All right. Let's get ready to Google Earth. You probably you guys are sick of seeing Riviera right now. And let's bring up GCSAA. Uh, if anyone works with GCSAA, by the way, um, you guys are getting a little lazy with some of this stuff. Uh, last week, I referred to the 2023 uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open stuff. And he came out with last week's a little late and a little misleading information. So you said that Waste Management was the fourth straight week of Poet Greens. And... Not really the case. Poana is a little different than Pro Trivialis. Uh, that's why you got me, though, to explain this to you. But uh, you have nailed it this week as far as what it is. So, again, Riviera Country Club. This is, again, the GCSAA uh, PDF is where I always start just to see if there's anything that's been changed year to year overall with the setup, stuff like that. So, again, George Thomas design in 1927. Uh, Cor Corn Crenshaw renovated the bunkers in 1992. Tom Fazio has done several little tinkering over the years to it. Uh, par 71, there's only three par fives on the golf course. You got number one, which is a very easy par five. Number 11 that we didn't go over, it's straight away, but very narrow and tree-lined, very easy to get your ball clanging into the, uh, the, the trees there. Not really my favorite par five. I think they really need to do some tree removal on that one. It seems like just a means to get to the stretch from 12 to 13. Probably one of the weaker holes on the golf course. And then number 17, which is slightly uphill into the breeze. It's that's a that's also not an easy par five too, but that's why it's a par seventy one seven thousand three hundred twenty two yards on the scorecard on the stint meter though these greens run about twelve and a half we'll get to we'll, we'll table that we'll get to it a little bit average green size seventy five hundred square feet in area a little misleading some greens are absolutely huge at Riviera some greens are really tiny uh, for example the par four tenth very tiny green but average green size seventy five hundred uh, feet, uh, square feet in area. This is actually the fourth uh, largest greens on the PGA Tour. Uh, no water hazards at all on this golf course. We'll get to that in a little bit. We'll talk about the off-the-tee stuff. Agronomy. So we are back to Poana. California Poana. Really fast Poana, by the way. It runs 12 and a half in a centimeter. If this thing gets windy and dried out, man, these greens are really slick. These guys are just really cautious and careful and nervous over these five footers here. Um, the collars, the tees, the rough, it's a rice grass overseed. But what's really unique about this place is the Kikuyu. Now the Kikuyu, that's also Tory Pines, but it, it was overseeded back then because it just wasn't sustained here. The Kikuyu actually is prevalent here. They don't overseed this one. And Kikuyu is a very sticky, grabby spongy grasses native of africa and i forget which year it was but i think this was all rye grass at one point and for whatever reason kikuyu just got into the soil at Riviera, and it just took over the entire property and they haven't removed it at all it's just still there um but it makes the golf course play a little longer once the ball hits the ground this kikuyu really grabs it especially if it hits the rough too it's just not going anywhere at all. So even though it's only two inches, you know, it's not a very, uh, it's not very easy rough to hit out of because it can really grab the club face and go all over the place. Um, even though two inches you can get solid ball contact on it, not a Kikuyu is definitely not easy. You know, you're going to hear a lot about the Kikuyu this week. Some changes that have been made to the golf course. So there's been a lot of talk about number 10. We'll talk, we'll bring that back in a little bit, but. Uh, they restored the green contours on number 10 uh, and number 15 as well. Uh, that's the uh, the par four that I talked about that Hovland is trying to basically uh, break the code for. Uh, the area remained the same, but they just re you know 
restored a lot of subtle features into it. I don't know exactly what changes they made for number 10. I'm sure we're going to find out, but number 10 was always pretty dicey green to navigate around anyways. So I can't even imagine what they did to this to make it even more difficult. Um, average fairway width, they say 27 yards. I think this is a typo. Uh, this is maybe about 37 yards. This is not a very, I wouldn't call it narrow golf course by any means. I think this is a typo here. It's not 27. I mean, basically just mapping where the landing zones are. Some of them bottleneck maybe to like 20, 25 yards, but most of the time there's usually a lot of room out there. Uh, and then coming up, it's going to host the U.S. Women's Open. It's going to be the site of the 2028 Summer Olympics. We'll see it there. I think it's also going to host the U.S. Open, a men's U.S. Open, which is going to be kind of strange. Um, it's in the summer, so it plays differently, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Let's get to let's get to scoring. We're going to do this a little differently this time. So usually I think I start with like the weather or anything like that. Oh, there we go. And you're going to show me the wrong screen. Uh, hang tight, everybody. Okay, let's go to past result page. Okay. Sorry, 2019. So Riviera has a lot of character to it, especially with the greens. And it's one of the more difficult scoring setups on the PGA Tour in general. For a lot of reasons we'll get to talking about. But a lot of it's very weather-dependent. Anytime this thing is cold and firm and windy, this place is an absolute nightmare, especially navigating these greens. It just makes it kind of almost borderline unputtable. You can't hit a green regulation. It's difficult. And there's been some really difficult uh, Genesis invitations the last couple of years. 2019, I remember uh, I was sweating in a hotel room with my pregnant wife at the time with our first child. I had Justin Thomas, and this is where I came out with a house cat uh, uh, nickname for him because he had, a, I think, a three-shot lead going to the final round, and the wind kicked up, and he was absolutely useless in the final round. Uh, very difficult scoring conditions, but he just didn't do much. All his premier ball striking just went away at that point. J.B. Holmes ends up stealing it from him by one. Uh, that tournament with really difficult scoring conditions. But again, really, once it was, you know, in relatively calm conditions, you know, it's not easy, but the field can get under par. Last round, though, extremely difficult. 2020, that was uh, right before COVID here. Again, another really difficult scoring uh, year. Last round, in particular, very difficult. Three out of the four years played over par, very firm conditions, too. Uh, Adam Scott wins it at 11. I actually had the out right there. So, Got a little redemption there. 2021, this was the one where Max Homa could have closed it out on Tony Finau. Ends up missing a really short putt in 18. Fien they go to a playoff. Uh, Max Homa has maybe the up and down of the century where he was behind. He was right next to a tree. He had to basically curve his chip shot to get it onto the green. Ends up getting birdie there to extend the playoff. But he had a really difficult third round. This was the one I talked about earlier with the wins that were whipping. They had to actually stop play. Average score of the day was plus 2.4 over par. So again, the win really plays uh, a big factor if this thing is difficult. But the last two years, though, so very soft conditions, not a lot of wind. And they really took apart Riviera in 2022, especially in the second and third round here. Joaquin uh, even shot an opening round 63. He shot actually he shot back to back 63s. He got to a huge lead. I had an outray on him. That was pretty nervous sweating that down the stretch. You had Morikawa making a charge there. Cam Young, this was really, I think, his coming out party as well. Hovland and Adam Scott were in the mix too. Like just a lot of really big names chasing him. He ended up hanging on. Not a lot of wind. Temperatures are relatively comfortable. It really lost a lot of teeth uh, in that one. And the same thing kind of happened last year. First couple of days at Riviera. Pretty difficult scoring system, but over the weekend, though, wind died down. It was playing soft, really gettable conditions. Um, you know, in round three and four, didn't play quite as tough uh, as it usually does. So the weather plays a lot of uh, role in what happens in this tournament. If the wind is up, it's firm. It can be a nightmare. If it's softer, if there's no wind, if temperatures are comfortable, it definitely can be gettable. So let's go to the weather. And so leading up, so the biggest, so obviously you saw I have a Pebble Beach. Well, 
all that rain and wind that they got in Pebble Beach, they also got in Los Angeles. Los Angeles got about 12 inches of rain a couple of weeks ago. So coming in, this is going to be a very soft golf course, very receptive. Uh, you know, there's going to be some sun that might dry it out, but all that moisture is still accumulating, still in the soil there. It's going to play soft. But for the first couple of days, though, pretty perfect conditions for Riviera. No wind at all. Sunshine, comfortable temperatures on a softer golf course. You know, on Friday here, you got some cloud cover to keep any of the moisture in there. These guys are going to play it. It's not going to be a birdie fest by any means because Riviera is not a birdie fest. It's going to play pretty easy. It's going to play very receptive. It's really going to resemble a lot of that 2021 tournament, especially the first couple of days there, which we'll talk about what played well in tournament, what didn't. It's a little different than some other years, but that might be a tournament to refer to as far as like what types of guys we're going to expect to do well. Saturday again, again, comfortable temperatures, no wind. Sunday, this forecast. So when I was looking last night, this day looked completely unplayable. It looked like they got one of those atmospheric uh, rivers coming back in. It was 35 to 40 mile per hour winds, two and a half inches of rain. And Monday didn't look better either. And actually, you can see that weather system right here actually coming in overnight on Sunday and Monday. What it was last yesterday, though, when I was looking, is all of this was rain and wind. It looked like maybe we're in our 54-hole uh, tournament, which would have been an absolute disaster. Right now, it doesn't look like that way. It's going to be, again, kind of like the other days. Calm, no wind, relatively comfortable temperatures. But what's really going to matter, what's really going to determine what happens on Sunday is this. This little system right here. Look at me. Weather forecast meteorologist Steve. I guess you didn't know that I had that in my arsenal. This is another low pressure system that's going to be coming and in into the West Coast here. Now, yesterday, it was tracking a little south, and Los Angeles was getting absolutely slammed here. Here, we'll see. So let me get this off because it's actually affecting my internet. But based on what the weather is going to end up being, you know, it might, <sighs> Sunday might be dicey. If that thing tracks a little far south, you get a lot of rain and wind, that's going to be a pretty big disaster, this place. Unfortunately, it has ruined my internet. So, all right, it's starting to come back a little bit. But we'll see. So what I'm planning on doing for this tournament, I'm not going to worry about Sunday, Monday. Okay? First three days look absolutely ideal. It looks... um completely calm, soft, receptive. I'm going to focus on guys who do perfect and well in those conditions. And then I'm just going to worry about Sunday or Monday later. I just want guys to get there. I'm not going to try and overthink it. So give me the horses to the barn. Let's see if we can get them in after that. Let's go to the course fit tool, the predictive skill set chart. Not a tremendously helpful one, but there's a couple of key things, which actually leads more to a discussion about the course stats here. Um, so off the tee, driving distance is about as predictive as is a, a normal golf course. There's no real correlation there. L last week, you saw driving distance was a little more predictive towards success of Phoenix at Riviera. Historically, not so much. Driving accuracy, though, this is way more variable. Does not seem to matter for a variety of reasons that we'll get to in a little bit. But um, historically, it doesn't matter if you're really accurate, if you're like a Matt Kuchar or a Wyndham Clark or a Scotty Scheffler who does a little bit of both. Off the tee, doesn't really matter. That tends to get neutralized whether you hit the fairway or not here. Uh, iron play, slightly less important than the average PG Tour venue, but still very predictive overall. Not something you can ignore. Around the green, though, a little bit more important than the average PG Tour venue. Um, that we'll get to in a little bit, but high level, lots of missed greens. With how the greens are designed, there's a lot of undulation to them, spines, swales, tears. Um, it is not an easy place to get up and down from off a of green here. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's just because of how many greens are typically missed at this place, it becomes an up and down contest. And generally the guys who, you know, it's, it's, it can be manageable for a lot of guys. And generally the guys who tend to be pretty good around the green tend to excel a little bit this place versus guys who don't. Putting, 
extremely variable here. I think that's just the nature of the POA. I think it's because guys have to put very defensively here. They don't roll very well because of the POA. They're fast, quick. There's a lot of undulation really close to uh, the hole there. So putting is slightly a little less uh, important here. If you click this toggle here, you can definitely see what I mean. This puts everything on even plane. Really high degree of emphasis towards around the green here. So why is that? Well, why don't we take another break? And then we will get to why exactly uh, this predictive skill set chart is what it is. Let's talk about Hall of Fame bets. So win bigger by betting smarter this NFL season with Hall of Fame bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game game lines. Research every NFL, NBA, and soccer bet with historical stats and data. Enter any parlay idea into Hall of Fame bets' revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bets to learn which players are hot which picks have value. So stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with the Hall of Fame bets to craft more intelligent, data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first one today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame bets. All right. Pull this back up. Let's get to the course table here. So another very useful free tool, I believe, for data golf. Uh, again, they don't pay me to pump this stuff. A lot of really good stuff there. Definitely stuff I look at every single week. So where is Revere historically most difficult? Well, off the tee, there's since 2015, there's about like 88-ish uh, golf courses that they track over here. Is the 17th most difficult off the tee? As far as the type of tee shots you have to hit. Um, used to be very, very difficult. Top 10 in difficulty. Last couple of years, though, you know, 12, 15, 18, still very difficult, but not quite as difficult as what it was uh, in prior years. Uh, approach play, we'll get to in a little bit. About PG Tour average as far as difficulty. Around the green, a little easier than PG Tour um, average. And putting, top five, one of the toughest places to putt at. We'll table that discussion. Let's focus off the tee because there's a lot of interesting, I think, things off the tee here to talk about. So, look at the driving stats. And this is everything they have since 2015. Let's go value. Let's talk about driving distance first. So what I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of really difficult tee shots here. A lot of ways you have to move the ball uh, with the tee shot to hit the fairway. What I noticed doing it, though, is tends to be a little fade bias, I feel, with the tee shots. But regardless, so you got to move the ball both ways. There's critical tee shots where you're going to hit a right-to-left shot, critical tee shots where you're going to hit a uh, left-to-right shot. But look at where the driving distance used to be back to about 2019. Low, low 280s. Now, this was guys were tiptoeing around the place, trying to hit the middle of the dog leg, avoid those fairway bunkers, play a little more positional golf. You know, it, it just very short driving distances. But check out what happens in 2020. Average driving distance jumps up to 290. 2021, about 294. 2022, 294.4. 2023, 294.5. Now, Part of this is just an advancement in technology. Guys are hitting the ball longer. The ball goes longer. But just advancements in technology does not explain a 12-yard jump in like seven years, eight, eight years. Or especially, it does not explain a 16-yard jump since 2019. This is a change in strategy. And you can also see it with the driving accuracy rates. Even with guys using less than driver for, I think, a higher part between 20, you know, before 2019, it's only a 56%-ish drive accuracy percentage. And then starting 2020, three straight years of sub-50% driving accuracy rates, fit just creeping over that. Last year, 50.3. This is a change in strategy at this place. And guys are deciding that maybe because they're looking at the fact that it's difficult to hit fairways anyways at this place. Just hit it as far as you can and worry about it later. And what further really reinforces this point, and this is probably what they're looking at, is this miss fairway metric. This column right here, this represents the average difference in your score between guys who hit approach shots from the fairway and guys who miss the fairway. And you'll notice it's about a little under a quarter stroke difference in your score between if you hit a fairway of Riviera versus if you miss a fairway. Now, there's a certain degree of penalty. There's always a degree of penalty if you miss a fairway. But at Riviera in particular, 
It is actually the least penal place to miss a fairway at between the difference between what your score would be at Riviera on a hole if you miss a fairway versus if you're in the fairway. And it's always been like that. You know, it's always been, you know, back in 2015, 37th out of 38th. 2019, the easiest, 35 over 35. Or not the easiest, but like the least penal. Again, last in 2020, second to last in 2021. So maybe these guys figured out that, hey, even if I'm hitting less than driver off the tee, try and play positional golf, it's still not a big difference between me missing a fairway and me miss hitting a fairway. I'm sacrificing all this distance. I'm way farther back. I'm not hitting fairways at a high clip. Anyways, why don't I just pull driver and rip it and see what happens? And that appears like what's been happening the last four years or so. So it is a conscious decision, I feel like, with these players that I'm just going to pull driver. Case in point, let's actually pull back to Google Earth here. Let's actually talk about number 10 now. Because this is very pertinent to this discussion. So short par four, 315 yards. I don't have the heat map in my article anymore, but I used to have it. Basically, what was, guys, the optimal strategy was, I think like 10 years ago, you would see guys lay up short of this cross bunker, about 265 here, and try to hit a wedge in. Well, that wedge shot is definitely not a guarantee. It is a extremely narrow green here, heavily protected by bunkers on all sides. It's not an easy up and down. So what you see guys doing now is they just blast it as far as they can here. They pull driver. It doesn't matter where it goes. Well, it kind of matters. Optimally, you want to end up on this left side of the hole over here. Because then, even if you miss the fairway, you can at least chip back towards this bottom tier right here. Try and two-putt, get your par, get out of there at that point. Um, even if you're in this left bunker over here, the green slopes hard from right to left. So now, that might not be the case now. But if you miss this bunker over here, getting up and down from this left bunker, you at least have the slope of the green helping you to help maybe not get it too far past the hole. Not a bad result there. The only place where you really can't miss here, can't miss right. You have absolutely no room with this green and it slopes hard from right to left. You see a lot of guys, even in this bunker over here, go bunker to bunker. If you're in this back bunker with how hard it slopes from back to front, that's a no-no as well. That's the only place you really can't miss. But guys have decided on number 10 that except for Justin Thomas, who still lays up for whatever reason for this area here, to various success, guys are just going to pull driver. And that seems like a prevailing theme throughout the entire golf course. So I just wanted to point that as an example of one hole in particular that it doesn't matter anymore about playing positional golf. These guys have figured out, based on the data, hit it as far as you can. So this has turned to a very driver-heavy golf course for the most part. Um, what dampens that is... Not at altitude, and the Kikuyu can play kind of sticky. And once it hits the rough, the ball stops. But fairly hot, fairly longer driving distances overall at Riviera now. Some other things too. Again, with this rough penalty, same thing. Not a whole lot of difference between your score on the hole between if you're in the rough or in the fairway. I think a lot of this has to do with how the green. So why is that? Why is there? You know, not a lot of penalty. Why are guys still missing greens at high rates? Uh, I think it just has to do with the greens. Um, even though the data doesn't suggest otherwise, they're not easy approach shots, especially getting to key pin locations with the spines and how firm it can be and the wind. And, um, you know, even if you're in the fairway, hitting the green regulation or getting even close to the hole is still no guarantee. Um, you know, you see guys three putt a lot. You guys seen up. Guy's not hitting a lot of putts there. If you miss a green, you can get up and down. You know, it's there's not a big difference between missing a fairway or not and your next approach shot. Uh, and then penalties. No water hazard on the golf course. One of the lowest penalty rates on the PGA Tour. I think there's a couple places where you can hit it out of bounds. Possibly in the Barranca, you might be able to, uh, on eight, might be on a playable lie, but otherwise, though, uh, very few opportunities are actually current penalty stroke here. So that's driving here. Uh, let's talk about the approach, uh, stats. So one of the, again, like I just mentioned, one of the lowest green regulation rates on the PGA tour, uh, only 55.5%. It is not only the, uh, sixth lowest rate on the PGA tour, 
Uh, of all courses in 2015, non-major venues, the only one lower is uh, Firestone, which they no longer play. So if current active PG Tour golf courses um, in the rotation, this has historically been the lowest green regulation rate of non-majors. Uh, low 50s in some years. You know, this got the 57% because a little more softer conditions, no wind. But still, like these are not high green regulation rates by any means. As far as the difficulty of the approach shots, though, you know, slightly harder from under 150, slightly over from 150. I don't know exactly how Data Golf is capturing and measuring this metric. I've read through it and I'm still kind of confused. Maybe it's because of the fact that these are big greens that they feel like based on the actual type of shot they have to hit is relatively easy. Now, maybe they're not factoring in if it's firm or windy or um, maybe the difficulty of hitting approach that I could cool you because these are difficult hit fairways. I don't know. But they at least say it's not tremendously difficult approach shots. Uh, it's far more difficult. The, the tee shot seems to be much more demanding than the average PGA golf course than the approach shots. Uh, around the green here. So, again, slightly easier than the average PGA Tour golf course, mostly because of the rough. Seems like it's fairly if you're going to miss a green at Riviera, you want to be in the rough. Getting up and down is, at least difficulty-wise, a lot less difficult than the average PGA Tour golf course. Where you don't want to be, though, don't be in a bunker. These bunkers are well-placed. Where pins are set, if you are hit into the wrong bunker, you're not getting up and down. And also because of how much undulation and character these greens are, if you're in a bunker, like trying to get to the upper tier or navigating a spine or... Um, it's just not easy to get the ball close to the hole. And these bunkers, just how they're shaped, very difficult to get up out of there. So a couple of examples here. Uh, let's actually go to this fried egg uh, column here. Let's pull it up. So where's the picture? Oh, don't do this to me. Number 10. So let's go to the greenside bunker here. So you can see with number 10 here, this is from Andy Johnson's Friday column. Not a lot of green to work with. Hard sloping right to left green. You're missing this bunker. You're not getting up and down. You also can see that too in hole number 16. That's another par three. Where, again, see how steep these the face of these bunkers are? And see how undulated these greens are, especially with this pin that's uh, it's in the front here. So again, you you don't have a lot of room. If this pin's in the back, you got to carry it over a tier. So you got to get it over the face. You carry it all the way to the back. These are just how the greens are shaped. And if you're in a bunker, it's not easy up and down from these things. So if you're going to miss, miss in the rough, do not miss in a bunker. Uh, I guess that's my amateur advice to these pros who probably don't need it. But, um, and then putting wise. So again, like I mentioned, one of the hardest greens to putt on in the PG Tour. Some of it has to do with the Poana. All the California Poana golf courses are one of the most difficult to putt on in the PGA Tour, but also just how they're contoured and shaped um, the, and how fast they run. These things are absolutely slippery in glass when these things are running pretty quick, especially when it's windy. Um, just not very easy. Six hardest from putts under five feet. Fifth hardest from putts five, 15 feet. Um, over 15 feet, only 21st, but look at the last like, Six years, five years or so, top 10 in difficulty. I don't know if they changed some greens or not. Maybe it's just weather conditions, but just overall, not a fun place to putt. Uh, I can't imagine my co-host uh, having success at Riviera based on these guys struggling too. Let's close it out with what actually matters in tournament. So we talked about with... So what we talked about so far? We talked about with the predictive skill set chart how no emphasis really on driving accuracy. Driving distance is a little more um, variable as far as particular skill set, but we saw over the last couple of years or so, there's been a huge emphasis on just blasting as far as you can without regard where it's going. Iron play slightly less important. Um, around the green, very important and predictive, and potting not so important. And actually, this skill set chart, at least the last couple of years or so, kind of reflects what the predictive skill set charts suggest as far as what's actually important towards separating yourself in tournament, what you do versus what the predictive skill set chart. I love this. Unfortunately, it's not 
quite as correlated as other ones, but you can see in 2021. So off the tee, which is generally driven in turn by how many fairways you hit, not nearly as correlated with total strokes gains as the average PGA revenue because, and you can see here, a huge emphasis more than average on how far you hit it towards how you do an off the tee that week and way less than how many fairways, like a huge dis disproportionate amount. And usually this is uh, inverted. See this black dot right here on accuracy? This black dot on distance right here. Usually how many fairways you hit is way more indicative of how you do off the tee in that metric every week. Here's the complete inverse. Guys are just blasting as far as they can in tournament do the best in strokes off the tee, even though it's harder to separate yourself because you're not hitting a lot of fairways in general. Iron play, way less predictive in 2021 towards your inner, or not predictive, towards way, it's way less impactful towards your total strokes gain in 2021 versus what you actually did. Uh, around the green, though, that's where you saw essentially turning up and down contests. I mean, it was 54% green regulation rate. Guy was going to get up and down. It was windy, firm. And putting, it was less impactful on your overall uh, strokes game compared to other uh, places. Let's skip 2022. I'm say that. 2023, you get a kind of a similar story as you did in 2021. Again, off the team, not quite as important as it is in the PGA venue as far as separating yourself. Again, you see the huge disproportionate uh, split between how far you hit it versus how many fairways you hit towards how you did in that metric of the week. A huge de-emphasis in how you did iron play overall because guys just miss a lot of greens. Um, they're all kind of getting up and down for the same place anyways. Again, turns into a bit of an up and down contest. Around the green play is a lot more impactful towards separating yourself and contributing to your total strokes gain at the end of the leaderboard than what uh, it usually is PGA Tour venue. Not quite as impactful for putting. Here's the thing though. These, are, these feature tournaments with a lot of bad weather though. I mentioned the, a lot of the wind that happened in 2021, especially on the weekend, uh, 2023, the first couple of rounds, I think had some bad weather over the weekend, definitely got more benign. So I'd like to, I wish I could see what this was over, uh, the last couple of rounds. Let's go to 2022 though, because the weather that week, at least the first couple of rounds, um, are probably going to resemble a lot. We're going to see at least the first three rounds here. So again, no surprise off the tee, not quite as important as far as separating yourself. At, uh, this particular Genesis Invitational versus what it was, uh, what it usually is a PGA venue. Again, you see uh, it's more important to hit it far than hit fairways here, but the split is not quite as extreme as what it is when years where the weather is pretty bad. That's interesting to note. Is it just a one-off? I don't know. Still not quite as important for separating yourself with how you do with your irons. That week, but it's way closer to the PG Tour average in 2022, which had similar weather conditions we're going to have this year. Golf course played soft and calm in 2022. And all of a sudden, guys could generally fire pins, and that's a little more impactful towards your total stroke team than the average venue. That's interesting to note. You know, when we looked at 2021, 2023, let's pull that back up here. You see huge shifts where it's not as impactful especially last year. That's interesting to maybe to note. Around the green, obviously still important because low green regulation rates, although the green regulation rate was still fairly high in comparison to other years, still huge emphasis there. Putting was a little more important though. Those last two years I mentioned, it's a little less powerful towards your total exchange. Here was actually a little more impactful. Yeah, I think it indicates that it was just a little more gettable golf course. So I think if you're someone who has a model, I don't do traditional models. I kind of just look at stuff from a high level. But if you're someone who does a traditional model, you weight things certain ways. I would weight iron play a little more important than what you usually do because of the weather conditions. I think guys are going to be able to fire at pins. It's going to play soft. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, I think that's going to matter a little more, this tournament. So maybe put a little more weight there. Um, otherwise, though, Distance is still very important at this place, especially because it's going to play so soft. The fairways are going to play soft. The ball's not going to roll out. That's still very important. So definitely weight distance more than accuracy for at least in tournament stuff. Um, they usually do. I mean, obviously it's more predictive anyway. So heavily weight distance, heavily weight around the green stuff, maybe weight a little potting a little more. Um, but I think the 2022 tournament, at least first three rounds, is definitely one to refer to as far as 
how guys actually did, how they were able to separate themselves. I think the key difference is what I just mentioned is that iron play usually most years when it's bad weather conditions at Riviera, not quite as impactful towards separating yourself from the leaderboard. Here, though, I mean, you can kind of see with the top of the leaderboard here, top five here. Let's go to the ranks. Neiman was first in strokes gain approach the week. Morikawa was only 26, but he's a god with his irons. Premium iron player. Cam Young was ninth. Adam Scott was fourth. Hoblin was third. Sky Shepard was fifth. So top of the lead, top of the lead were right there. The guys with their irons the best were able to uh, separate themselves a little more than the field. I think that's notable. Um, versus what you do last year, you know, at Riviera here. I mean, Rahm is still number one, but there's still a little more variance. Well, I guess that doesn't prove my case. <laughs> Maybe just ignore what I just said. But uh, let's talk about the approach shot distribution chart as well. Uh, so like last week, this was a test between 150 and 200. At Phoenix, it was a test between 150 and 200. Same thing again. There's going to be a test between 150 and 200. Disproportionate amount of shots between 150 and 200 this tournament. Slightly more from over 200 than what there was last week at Scottsdale. Uh, a lot less than what there was under 150. I would probably suggest again that because the fairways are going to play pretty soft, it's going to play a little longer. These proximity buckets are probably going to skew it a little longer. So again, probably the same types of approach shots that you relied upon last week uh, to handicap Phoenix. Rely upon it again for this one. Very similar. So, all right. Um, that is it. Let me get rid of this and go back to the single. Thank you very much for joining me. I know that Scottsdale is going on right now. You're probably watching that. Uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. You should getting all your plans together. But good, have a very good Super Bowl Sunday. Have a very fun and safe one. Uh, hopefully all your bets go well. Hopefully my bets go well. Uh, if you're sweating the Phoenix Open stuff, hopefully that goes well for you too. So with that, uh, good luck with everything. And we will see you on Tuesday.